We're back with another discussion about the world around us. We're reverse redacting. We're going back. We're uncovering things that have been perhaps hidden from um, discovery or just going back and looking at things. My name is Judah and I'm here with Ford. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah. Good. It's new year. It's a oh, yeah, 2018. Right. Yeah. It being a new year, the new year, you, you were talking to me uh, earlier about having some goals as far as websites go, right? Yeah, that's right. So I've uh, dipping my toe into the dense ocean, vast ocean of the web uh, for the first time in a while. I tried starting a website um, prior uh, years before, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And, and uh, yeah, I just kind of bumped my head into walls and installed WordPress and, and didn't really know what I was doing, but uh, hmm. you know, got, got some viruses on my site, you know, did the, did the, did the thing. So now I'm going to try again. I'm trying to start from scratch, learn some HTML, some CSS and uh, a dabbling of JavaScript maybe uh, with the intent of yeah, creating a design for website that may not be like, uh, you know, Apple quality or you know, user not having the UI necessarily or mm -hmm. the design savvy, but just making something that is usable uh, for people like me that are looking for different ways to tell story. I guess that's that's where my heart always comes back to is storytelling. Okay. And I just feel like the web is an unmined resource for story that uh, we've kind of all been, we've all been distracted or we're, we're kind of like bugs around, you know, a, a light bulb. We just kind of all come to these nodes, uh, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, uh, uh, places where there are people that are already congregating and instead of trying to start our own little things. And so I want to see what can happen when I start my own little thing you know, my own little place to tell stories. So that's what I'm kind of trying to think of the web as storytelling medium, um, not just as storytelling distributing platform. Uh, and I and I think it's underutilized as the distributing platform as well, because again, we, we go to these existing nodes instead of using what, you know, the internet is really supposed to be a peer-to-peer -peer service. And, and we're still kind of thinking of it uh, as a, you know, importing old ideas of the, you know, Hollywood studio system and theaters, you know, so YouTube is the theater and uh, Netflix is the Hollywood studio system and theater. Hmm. So we're still thinking of, of things through this old way of doing things when, when the purpose of the internet is, is really is to say, you don't have to go <laughs> to an agent to submit your screenplay. Just, just put your screenplay directly to, you know, a web page and let people read it. And if it's good, hey, let's make this movie. You know, like, like why, why in the world are we even having a middleman in this equation? Yeah. You know, so like maybe you're not, maybe you don't have great taste. Who cares? There's all kinds of bad action movies from the 80s people love to watch that, that uh, you know, like just, just make it. You know, some people wouldn't even have, it's amazing. Some people even have a career in the existing system, you know, so, and there's so many screenplays that just sit dead on a shelf somewhere because nobody was willing to take a risk on it. And they actually paid money for it though. They paid money, you know, 20 grand for a screenplay that's sitting on a shelf and they don't want anybody to see it because um, they're afraid that 
uh, it won't make money and make them look bad, uh, or that somebody else will buy it and make a movie that makes money and will make them look bad too. So there's this weird catch 22 with the old way of, of telling visual stories. And I think the internet, we have still kept that mentality when we've migrated to the internet. Well, well, that's a lot. That's, that's interesting. Um, well, I guess what was your very first experience of the internet? What was, cause I, I remember back in 2000, no, sorry, 1996, I was 16. And I remember like my friend, I got the, he, his dad was, you know, really tech savvy and he got the internet and he could not believe it. Like he could look up celebrities and stuff and he could print things out off of somebody else's, you know, uh, the, somebody else put up there. And I, I, at first I was incredulous. I was like, ah, you know, I thought of it like, like, a word processing pro program or something, you know, right. Oh yeah. I could kind of, you know, like you can put pictures on a, um, but, uh, but, and, and for the most part, the internet was uh, pretty useless to me until college. Right. And of course me and you, um, we entered college at a time when, I mean, this was, it, it was a pretty, like, I, I try to explain it to people I work with, uh, people like uh, anybody below the age of like 27 doesn't understand how amazing it was for all of us who joined, you know, about the turn of the century, uh, 1999, 2000, when we went to school, there, there was like an influx. Most schools had uh, cable internet right. Right. and we're, we're just getting it about then, you know, the cable right. internet and you actually had speed. You know, yeah. You had speed. Yeah. And then you had Napster. Yeah, Napster was I, the game changer. <laughs> it was a game changer. Yep. But when and you think about it, Napster's not, I mean, they're, <clears throat> I was trying, I was going back and looking at, you don't think of Napster as a website, right? You think of it as a content delivery system. Right, exactly. And I think one of the problems with when we, when we think of the internet, we have been so conditioned by the main hubs of the internet to kind of, it, it's taken on a new meaning in our mind. And, and the internet has... Uh, evolved over the years like early on there was a lot of these you know uh message boards forums you know, think of GeoCities and and mm-hmm. things that i never really like i was too late to the party for a lot of that because i wasn't really tech savvy and we didn't really have a good internet connection at my house uh, i accessed the internet from school so right and it was mainly for oh, okay you could see videos but you know that was before youtube so it was like you could see trailers on on the internet and uh it was just it was still it, it was baby steps for me it was more of a research tool um you know memes were starting to come out but i wasn't really savvy enough to really understand all that stuff and um we got to college and yeah i mean you had super fast internet at, you know for what what you know the time mm-hmm. um and the kind of data that was being exchanged it was very fast yeah and then when i would go home for summers it was aol i mean that's what i think of when i think of the internet um we had aol because we were all you know, te- tech illiterate at the time and right. aol was you know this net neutrality violating portal 
um, basically this hub, you know, to, to get on the internet and, uh, and, and it eventually kind of created it its own demise because at a certain point people became tech savvy enough to realize, Oh, I don't need AOL in order to get on the internet. Like right. I can actually do my own thing. And I think a lot of what, you know, uh, people, the, a lot of businesses over time, you know, they have actually ended up being pretty good services to teach people, uh, you know, to get their foot wet and, and get a little deeper in and a little deeper in and to realize, Oh, I can actually stand up on my own two feet here, you know? And so, um, I, I think we are in this time now where the, the heavy hitters of the internet, um, we have given them way too much power because it's just been convenient. And it's, it's, it's power that we can really take back and, and discover a new web and kind of get back to the whole, whole point of what the internet was. And that's, you think about, I was thinking about today, I'm, so I'm, I'm learning very rudimentary Python. And so mm -hmm. when, you know, they're, they're talking about how a variable can equal a number or can equal a string. And he was saying, you know, basically that equal sign is not really equals in the mathematical sense. It means it takes the value of something. And, uh, and, you know, just even to use Python, you just, you, you install or, you know, you change a global variable for your computer that when you type in Python into the command, it will, it will execute uh, that uh, directory, right? It'll, it'll find that directory. So when you type in Python, it's going to automatically uh, find it in that directory. Mm. Uh, and so like even just thinking about those two things, like uh, variables having a certain value of something and changing a global variable on your computer. Um, this is super rudimentary stuff for anybody who was ever in computing back in the 80s or 90s. Um, but like that is what we do with the internet. Like a hyperlink is a variable, you know, that contains information that when you access that, you click on that and it brings up this whole new uh, universe of information contained in, in that one little link or in that one little word. And, you know, you think about that aspect of com computing is uh, it, it opens up all kinds of possibilities, all kinds of new gateways. And really that's what the internet's supposed to be. It's supposed to be this, I, I am a gateway to a certain bit of information. You are a gateway to a certain bit of other information. We're all gateways instead of centralized gateways, you know, that, that you require enormous amounts of capital. They require an office building that require uh, backing or grants or subsidy or uh, corporate sponsorship. Like, we can actually be gateways without any of those things. Like we don't have to be subsidized, you know? And so that's this, our little variables, our little hyperlinks can actually have value to one another that we, we can actually meet other people with the same interests. Um, yeah. And well, and all right. So there's two parts to that. The first part, when you're talking about the um, open up gateways, right? The endless possibilities. I think my, my difficulty with that, something that I've been thinking about, uh, for a while is um, this feeling you get, the feeling I get when I go to the internet and I feel like there's endless possibilities and then it's coupled or there's simultaneously a feeling of almost disappointment and boredom. Right. Where it's like I have endless possibilities and I really don't want to go anywhere. And there's, I, I feel like the internet creates, especially in creative guys like me and you, creates a sense of lust right like right. oh there's endless pus there's we could create we could reach and 
it's like it's like everything else. I think I have to be careful to remember that it's it's like anything else that it's a tool. Yes. If we can think of it as a tool instead of as a pleasure delivery device. And so, mm-hmm. and, and that's part of the problem with these major apps that we have. Uh, they yield instant, you know, small amounts of a dopamine addiction, you know, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or Google even. Like it, all of them have an instantaneous element of satisfying a immediate desire. Where, But if you can think of YouTube, like for instance, you know, when I'm watch, trying to learn more about Python, I, you know, I found a great little video series by a guy on YouTube and he's just delivering information. You know, it's, it's no, it's not sexy. It's not fun. It's just very rudimentary and helps me understand how to use this. It's a tool like YouTube can be a tool. Yeah. And, and as such, that guy today for me supplanted for free, you know, for the one one thousandth of a cent that, you know, my view counted for, or, you know, maybe not that low, but pretty low, like one tenth of a cent or hundredth of a cent that my view counted for, for him. Um, he's providing me nine minutes of step-by-step instruction, how to use Python. And, and you think about like, how would we get that information before 20 years ago? Uh, we'd have to go to college and just do the math. I mean, it's a thousand times the amount of investment in order to get that same 10 minutes. And all the extra, I mean, a thousand times the investment in terms of money, but then the investment in terms of time, place, having to put up with the you know bureaucracy of registering yourself in the student, blah, 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 having to listen to the syllabus, all this unnecessary stuff. Like I can jump right into step one. Uh, by going to YouTube. So the internet is an incredible tool, uh, but we just, we have been conditioned to think of it as a consumption device. Um, And, and we are complicit in that. Uh, But, you know, because it's just, it's been easy, but I I think in order for us to take it the next uh, step, it's just like you said, we have to think of it as a tool. And so I think that's the the first step is thinking, okay, how can I use it as a tool? You know, we're not going to be perfect. Uh, You know, there are apps you can download that'll like, uh, you know, basically be your, your taskmaster for you and not let you access a site and stuff like that. I don't know. To me, I just, I feel like that's, that's kind of circumventing the the point. Like, let's just make it one step better every day. And eventually when we, we get the rush of actually creating things, uh, you know, over time that will supplant the addiction. Um, Cause I've just find that in my life that if I remove an addiction from my life, I will replace it with another one. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, and I'm not using Facebook, Twitter, and whatever anymore. I'm going to be using, I, I don't know, I'll just be staring at the wall or, uh, you know, picking up a magazine or, uh, you know, finding some way around it and watching, you know, instead of I'm not watching the videos on the YouTube app, I'm watching it through the Safari browser, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, so it's just, I, I think we, you really want to find a way to, to replace, um, that short-term gratification with a more long-term gratification. And, and that just takes, you know, a little bit of discipline uh, that at first that can yield longer-term discipline. Yeah. Because um, to me, it was exciting today. Like I started off, I felt daunted, you know, because I'm, I'm just, an, I'm an idiot child when it comes to computer programming. Mm-hmm. And uh, just being able to have a couple easy wins um, today, like has inspired me to want to try it again tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, th- those baby steps in the right direction, they may not be much now, uh, but you think uh, if if more of us will do this kind of stuff so that we're not dependent on a third party, not dependent on a hub or a node mm-hmm. in order to uh, disseminate our information or, you know, our vision of the world, 
uh, we can get a step closer to being gatekeepers for one another. Um, well, that doesn't, me, that what, doesn't cost as much money. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but just to, well, just uh, to, to, to push back a little bit, I hear, uh, I hear quite a bit of disdain in your voice for these hubs and nodes. And, and what if, is there a different way of look? Could there be a different way of looking at these big sites in which we start to look at the world as, or the internet world? So these big hubs and nodes being the supplanters of our um, post offices and Walmarts. I mean, yeah. we never complain. Well, I guess <laughs> plenty of people complain about Walmart, right. but like, where would we be without convenience stores? You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So the the issue is though, um, the problem with these hubs and nodes is they've tried to become everything. They've tried to swallow everything and become, uh, and they've actually gone beyond their role. So. Uh, like a lot of people complain about Walmart. I am a fan of Walmart because they know what their role is. Now, their role has expanded beyond what it was 30 years ago, and they have become the be-all, end-all for shopping in a certain place. And that has put tons of people out of business, but it's also hired a ton of people and in hopefully short-term jobs that they can work their way out of, you know, like interim jobs. Like that's kind of the point. Yeah. Um, for, for those kind of jobs. Now, they have put a lot of things out of business, but those businesses weren't efficient. Uh, Walmart is one of the most efficient uh, enterprises in the history of the world. I mean, couldn't you, couldn't you say the same thing about Google? Uh, well, I'll get there. But but what you know, Walmart, they're not they're not offering law degrees you know, in Walmart, you know, they're, they, they know their role to, to a degree, like they have walls, they have a limit, they have reached basically their ceiling of what they're capable of doing. And so they're not trying to supplant insurance companies or, you know, they're, they're not getting out of field. Um, and what Google has done is rather than just, they, rather than stopping at being a search engine, they have turned themselves into this alphabet of, of corporation, you know, uh, that, has diversified so much now that they have let their power get to their head. And again, there's Google, its primary function was to be a search engine for people to get information on the web. And you and I have already talked about how that is compromised. It's not the same anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, where they have become gatekeepers of information, they're editorializing your searches. Um, this is this has been proven uh, uh, anecdotally for me uh, in, in times where it's just, I'm searching for something. I know it was there. Um, and even if it's not there anymore, there is this thing called the internet archive that Google, you could access, you know, but you're not doing that because that's not going to make you money. So, uh, but do they, we begrudge know, them doing that? I mean, this, yes, yes. I begrudge them doing that because they're they're It's a bait and switch tactic. They're acting like their search engine and they've become a news site um, and so yeah I, you know when people say oh well, it's just capitalism in action no no it's not it's mm. corporatism in action it's short-term greed in action masquerading as capitalism which so much of you know the history of our economic in the last 150 years has been people say oh yeah look what all the bad capitalists have done no they're corporate fascists they're in bed with politicians they're lobbyists like that's not capitalism as such mm. um so quit calling it that like uh so yeah, I'm definitely more on the voluntarist side of things. You know, mm -hmm. someone who believes that uh, people don't need a law uh, that to tell them to be um, 
to do the right thing in every circumstance. So we don't need these these very complicated legalistic laws that are 500 pages long to tell people to do something that is simple. Mm -hmm. um, and we have gotten into this culture that is so intertwined with all this, the, the machinations of law and legality and power and finance that they're all intertwined and trying to navigate that stuff uh, requires like a person in each area of expertise, you know, and so that restricts competition mm. and it, you know, and it restricts our ability to connect with one another. And so really the internet is whether, whatever its initial intention, the internet, uh, its purpose is to get around all that stuff so people can actually uh, peer to peer, do business, exchange information, be an editor to one another without having to go through all this thing. And Google has insinuated itself into the middle of that. It used to be a way for people to meet one another. Right. Now it's becoming a way for you to meet a giant corporation mm -hmm. that has has bought their way into that, you know, exchange of information. Yeah. And and uh and yeah, I mean, just you look at some of their tech, the things that they've had to do because because they're trying to keep a good face for big companies mm -hmm. and they're trying to keep a good face to governments that they've had to compromise on that yeah, first true. governing principle, which was don't be evil. And they, they're, you know, and you know, evil uh, on the sliding scale of evil. And we're not, well, I'm not saying Google is the British East India company here. Okay. I'm not saying, I think that they are a step up from that. Who's the British East? Who, who's that? Oh, well, they were, you know, the corporal fascist arm of, of, England's empire oh. uh, that, you know, that enslaved, you know, I mean, enslaved, maybe a rough term. Um, but, you know, I mean, they, they did take out the agency of a lot of people in India. Okay. Um, and you, you benefited from that. I mean, you look at the opium wars and with China, like there's, there's a, a bad history there. And they were a company that had, you know, the King's charter so they could do these business deals. And it's when it was hard to tell, if you look at it, like, um, as far as if you want to call it fascism, I think it is an example of fascism. As far as fascism goes, not as bad as Nazi Germany, right. not as bad as Mussolini here, but not good, not what we want to be, um, not a free market, you know, not capitalism. And uh, I think, you know, so Google is Google better than that? Yes, but they are not evil in that sense. I think honestly that Walmart is better than Google in terms of actually providing legitimate service and actually being doing what their business model says that they're supposed to do. Mm. I think they're actually closer to being a capitalist enterprise. Um, and they've navigated that, you know, that very tenuous world of legality and finance and, you know, the Federal Reserve, all these things like that have kind of made it a muddy, muddy waters and the minefield. Um, but, you know, I think Walmart is actually a better corporation than Google. Um, well, someone I think someone who'd really agree with you as far as the the evils of Google um, and who actually coined the term the term, the de democratization of the Internet. Matt Mullenweg, the founder of WordPress. What what are your feelings on WordPress? Well, you know, I just, I, I think, again, it kind of just, you know, you look at WordPress and Wix and Weebly and, you know, all these kind of, uh, I guess, frameworks, you know, or uh, prefabricated ways of building websites. Mm -hmm. um, you know, WordPress, I think, has more customizability than than some of these, uh, but they, they do kind of... In, 
I don't know, they kind of make people think that that there's there's only one way to build a website. And so uh, so that we end up with this sort of it kind of feels like supermarkets or it's not supermarkets. What am I trying to think? Uh, shopping centers like, you know, when we were growing up, you had the shopping centers, right? You yeah. know, those little strip malls mm. and whenever whatever strip mall you are at no matter where you are in the united states you're the same one you know it's yeah. just like oh i just i entered strip mall world or you know if you go into a mall it's like wherever you are in the world if you're in a mall you're in a mall i mean some of the stores are gonna be different you're gonna have some different cuisine uh but it's a mall you know yeah. like you just you're in bangkok but you're in the mall um so i i feel like that with wordpress it's, it's actually even less uh customizable than the mall template mm. and so it just it feels like you know the the internet and not really wordpress's fault but it's people's not think of the internet as the end but as the means you know there's always some other goal they're not thinking about the internet as the main event as right. the uh the yeah what do you call it the it when a premiere you know when a when a film is showing like it's a big event right like it, nobody's really thinking of websites as that they're just thinking of them as uh, as a means to some other end and you know like but, this but is isn't, this that, isn't that okay i mean i don't yeah. think my hammer is the main event you know yeah yeah i just i think that there's more possibility there that's unmined uh, so it's i'm not saying mm. that all the internet that the internet has to move away from that in toto i'm saying yeah. that that w there there is room there to develop art forms that have never been capable of existing before, but we keep copying, you know, the blog is the copy of the newspaper. Mm -hmm. YouTube is the copy, you know, dumbed down of the film. Like there are other ways of, of, uh, of uh, exchanging information that doesn't necessarily have to look like anything that's come before. Right. Well, I, I think the problem though, is that it is a utility and that, um, that, as the masses now and, and there's something to be said about the evils of how the masses function but humans in general have certain tendencies and you know scientifically it's been you know there there's scientific words i can't i can't remember what it's called but where where people just naturally go their eyes go to a certain place they want familiarity yeah and that's true but also you know, the, I, I feel like we get into these ruts where a tradition has been established for a while and we think that that is the water in which we swim mm. and that all water has to look like that from here, henceforth for forever. But the, the, the stupidity of that is like, well, print didn't even exist 800 years ago. People still survived, you know, yeah. uh, the banking system didn't exist 800 years ago. People still survived. Yeah. So, uh, houses didn't exist in the same way uh, 2000 years ago people still survived so just because a technology has market dominance right now or a culture or a subculture or a way of doing trade mm. exists you know that doesn't mean that it is immutable and so mm. when a technology comes along that says hey we're going to try something different with this and people are like well no you can't do that because uh you know movies work this way or because the print that works this way like well why it's, mm. it's only because we've gotten used to it. That doesn't mean that it is a, you know, a law written in the heavens. And so, you know, I think of, I've got a list of some, I'll send them to you a list of some of the, and you even mentioned the, the worms one um, website, the little video game. Um, Wormex, I, yeah. I, O. 
IO. Yeah, all, all those IO games. All IO those games. games. Yeah. Um, uh, but I got a little list here of websites that I think, and I'd love to hear from the audience any that they think of that just kind of like turn the web on its head, the expected mm. web on its head. Mm. So the first one that I think of is homestarrunner.com. It was a flash website. Again, you know, we, we, we think in terms of not the optimal way to design a website, um, but for the time, uh, and this is in the mid 2000s, uh, homestarrunner.com was just a, basically a cartoon and it was interactive and it opened up storytelling possibilities for kids that, and they communicated with kids and, you know, college kids and adults, I feel like at different levels mm. and they were funny and, um, it, it started off just as a cartoon thing. You know, they had a couple little cartoons on this website and then somebody wrote an email to one of the characters. And so they started a whole series of cartoons in which the character responded to these emails. Mm. So this was a whole new format of storytelling. Mm -hmm. I, just think about what that evolution is. This is interactive storytelling that someone is, you know, a kid misspelling stuff is getting responded to by a, by a cartoon character. Um, and it was a very simple format because it's just the guy sitting in front of his computer, you know? So, and, you know, it, uh, he he makes fun of their spelling and and that's it. And the whole, I, I can't remember, I want to say they made 200 of these uh, emails. Let me see. Strong, bad emails. Um, yeah, over 200. I'm not with it right now, but yeah, over 205, 206. I think they did a an anniversary one a little while ago. Um, but for over a decade, they maintained the site, and um, you know, it's just it's something again unique. It's an it's a different way of doing a. There's no product placement. There's no advertisement. Um, it's just this organic cartoon storytelling method. And then from that, you know, as far as how did they make money off of it? Well, they started selling swag, you know, started selling shirts and stuff like that. And people bought it. Um, there was no compulsion to do so, you know, uh, you know, like I, whenever I go to these SEO conferences or, you know, growth marketing conferences and stuff like that, like they're always talking about like, oh, you know, we found that pop-up pop-ups when you're about to click up, you know, engage your, uh, increase your exchange rate or engagement rate or ROI by blah, blah, blah. And it's like that kind of stuff is just so soul deadening mm. to the internet. You know, it's like, cause everybody does the same thing. It's like, here, you know, create an email newsletter, create and do this. Like, it's just, everyone ends up, it's just this herd mentality. Um, and, and like, that's, that's, the the snake oil of the internet like all all we want to be a snake oil peddling salesman um you know if people if you build it they will come i think that really should be the model of the internet like if something is actually worth it it's going to be found out eventually well okay so i agree <clears throat> but i guess a temptation for me and i can only speak for me the temptation for me as a creator is to want to revolutionize the medium instead of putting my efforts towards creativity of my own content. I'm afraid right. like I've been <clears throat> the last 10 years, I've been obsessed. Well, I guess it hasn't been 10 years yet, uh, but uh, I've been obsessed uh, with uh, trying to find the best way, you know, trying to learn code, trying to learn SEO. <clears throat> In the meantime, I haven't been making any content of my own. 
right. you know, and, and I think there's a temptation there, especially for me to really get bogged down in the construction of, yeah. of the medium to the revolution, uh, well, not just the, the creativity, uh, you know, in the building blocks right? rather. And, and I think there, there's, there, there is a, um, well, there's a middle ground, of course, like anything else, but it's, it's like going back to that, that feeling when you, click on you open up the internet that feeling of uh, you know that lusty feeling there's 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 no end to what i can do what i can build and who i can contact right yeah and i i just think it is a slippery slope though when when we, when we allow that sort of lizard brain part of us to just take over and either consume you know mm. for the you know the lusty side um I mean, you think about how much internet bandwidth is dedicated to actual lust, not just the lust for knowledge or, you know, power mm -hmm. or, but actual lust. I mean, how much uh, bandwidth is actually wasted on this uh, masturbatory activity? It's just, yeah. it's absolutely wasting human time. And, and even just saying that's so controversial for so many people, he's like, oh, you're judging me. You're just a, you know, prurient Puritan, blah, 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 just whatever. Like yeah. we're wasting time. Like, just be real. Like we could have, we could have had web 4.5 by now if we hadn't spent so much time. And I'm complicit in that too. Even if I'm not, like you said, even if I'm not engaging in the lustful activity, mm. um, I'm still engaging in these lustful activities of a different sort, you know, just mm -hmm. the search for inf meaningless, trivial information, jeopardy like information. That's not going to add anything. I'm not going to add value with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other side, just that tendency to focus on minors, you know, to focus on the accoutrements of meaning, the accoutrements of story, you know, like when, when I was in fascinated by film, uh, I was, I would start to get, you know, stuck in like, oh, color correction and, you know, framing and mise-en-scene and, you know, using all these big terminology to describe, like, can you tell a story? That's fundamental. Like, if you can tell a story, you can start to learn some of that other stuff or you can get people around you who know that stuff, you know, who are passionate mm -hmm. about that stuff. But, I mean, I've seen so many YouTube channels over the years that just... They, you know, they have like a minute long intro with uh, some custom animation they did. And then what's the rest of their video? Like a vlog, you know? So it's like, oh yeah, you spent so much time on, on the accoutrements of story mm. not, or the accoutrements of meaning. Yeah. Um, and the internet, I really believe this. And I think, you know, PewDiePie's rise to dominance is proof of this, that people are actually interested in content as such. You know, content that's not trying to be content, content that is the person doing what they love to do and sharing mm -hmm. that with somebody else. So like me watching that Python guy today, like I'm not watching him for his inflection. I'm not watching him for his sexiness. I'm not watching him for his editing ability. There is no editing there. Yeah. It's just him sitting there telling me how to use Python. Like yeah. it's down to its fundamental. And so, you know, I, I feel like we have tried to apply old standards um, like, is this person dressed nice? Is there, does their website look, you know, fit uh, with my idea of what reputation should be? Mm. Um, instead of looking at the the source, you know, the substance, does the thing work? Does the app actually work? Mm. And, you know, I think that there are examples of websites that have shirked this trend that have been very influential and people don't want to talk about them. Uh, Drudge, you know, I mean, it's just a collection of links. It's God awful in terms of design. It's terrible. But is it functional? Yes. And has that guy been extremely influential in the last decade? Yes. Um, regardless of what, you know, I think Drudge is way too, uh, what's the word? Uh, inflammatory? Oh, not just inflammatory, but 
just gossip columnist. Like, I feel like a lot of his links are just like, why are we reading about this? You know, it's just like, oh, I mean, yeah. it's newsworthy. Yeah, it's newsworthy in the old, if it bleeds, it leads sense. It's, I mean, some kind of muckraking schlock stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't feel quite as in your face because there's not, you know, uh, titillating pictures every other second but i mean it, yeah. it is can be pretty schlocky at times and then you look at like 4chan and how influential 4chan has been on the uh dark web mm -hmm. and you know as controversial as that site is again god awful design but mm -hmm. functional and you know so i i think you and i've had these conversations before about function over aesthetics mm -hmm. um that i really think the the internet it, it needs to go through another uh, wilderness of bad aesthetics, good function. And that, that's kind of what I want to do on my own personal uh, website is just try things out. You know, let's, yeah. let's push the limits of bad design uh, to discover new function. Hmm. And I think there are just, um, you know, another example of that is mspaintadventures.com. And this is, it's one that I didn't really get into. It's a little, you know, younger than me. Um, but this has created its own fandoms. As Homestuck is the name of the comic, but it it models itself after the kind of old school, uh, you know, message board sort of yeah. uh, setup. Well, Underworld and, Underworld came out of that, and that was like uh, Undertale. Undertale. Undertale sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, vampires. <laughs> Although it is vampiric in some ways, I even have uh, oh my my video's not working, but. Um, yeah, I've got I've got a, a big old flowy box over here, uh, but um, oh, yeah. I I think that um, I think there is the the problem for me though is where do we where do we sure don't pay so much attention to the accoutrements and 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 the the flowery uh, titillations of what we're presenting, and but where do we just uh, where do we still do work? to make it appealing you know like where is that line right well i just i feel like we end up <sighs> yeah a lot of these things require more attention but i just think that we rush to those areas of more attention too soon yeah. so an example i think of is pixar uh when they were working on wally -E, uh andrew stanton who's you know a genius like the guy's a great storyteller and you know, he's had his missteps, but I, I think he's, you know, one of our, our better filmmakers of, of our generation. And there was some disagreement between the programmers, you know, who uh, the way that they had made their virtual cameras in these, you know, CG worlds and the directors and the directors were saying, there's just something wrong about the focal length or the, or the framing of this lens. It's not, it's not fitting up in my mind correctly. And, and the programmer's like, no, the, the math is solid. Mm. Uh, we got it. And so finally what they did is they made life-size replicas of Wally, you know, like cut them out with styrofoam or something like that and, and put them in an environment, shot them with all these different lenses. And they said, look, here's your computer program. Here's what the actual lenses give us. Mm. And well, that's something that, oh, then the programmers look at, oh, you're right. So mm. like a programmer will cave when yeah. the information is proven to be wrong, right? Yeah. The problem is, the the marketing world will not cave you know the political world will not cave the yeah. the economic world that we exist in will not cave because someone will come in and underwrite it and subsidize it because they like the person you know yeah. so uh in in the journalism world it's all words 
you know, just become propaganda pieces, you know, tools for, for uh, convincing people to believe in something. And so like the, the good thing about focusing on function, you know, and you think about code as function, the good thing about focusing on, on the coder uh, and and trying to convince them rather than have it the other way around, like trying to giving them more primacy of place. It's the same thing for me as giving the screenwriter more primacy of place, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm always thinking about what is really underpinning all of this stuff. You know, we've got all this, like who's the most important person, the actor or the screenwriter? I'm sorry. I believe the screenwriter is like, because they're the ones that are, there are our profits. Who's more important. Um, The screenwriter, the guy who wrote the short story, is it Philip K. Dick more important or is, or is, uh, Dennis Villanueva more important. Well, I love Villanueva, but ultimately, like he is interpreting Philip K. Dick's vision, you know, mm-hmm. when he comes out with Blade Runner 2049. And there is no Blade Runner 2049 without Blade Runner. And there is no Blade Runner without Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. So I'm going to put more, and and that guy of all people gets compensated the least of all those people in the totem pole. Really? I didn't know that. Like Philip K. Dick. I mean, well, think about it. I mean, Philip K. Dick's short story. Oh, like, oh yeah. You know, how much money did he get paid for that? And how much royalties did he get paid in the grand scheme of things? I mean, he was dead by the time, uh, you know, 2049 came out. He was hardly um, even alive when Blade Runner came out. Yeah. So, like, you know, these people are undervalued. And so I think you have to put the most value on the fundamental. You know, what is the fundamental? And to me, it just seems like whatever is at the base is fundamental, right? Like whoever is actually writing the code or the script uh, or the the story, who's ever getting those those base parts. Um, but we tend to elevate the people who have the most flowery presentation. I agree. And I mean, that's, that's true on YouTube. I mean, just now this, uh, my buddy Caleb had posted on my website uh, on Facebook, um, uh, this Polygon article, YouTube was our biggest disappointment in 2017. It has to be better in 2018. And then they have a still from YouTube's Rewind in which Logan Paul and Jake Paul are facing off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so he was like, well, what, what is your thought on this? And so I said, YouTube is dead and it's not the Paul brothers' fault. They are the symptoms of a much deeper problem with YouTube's ethos. They made the decision long ago to be the internet evolution of teeny bopper magazines and that is what we've ended up with. They actively ignore anything of substance and ardently support everything that is quote unquote cool from the perspectives of their boardroom sensibilities. And then Caleb responded and this was really good. So I'm actually fascinated in this evolution. Green bros to fine bros to Paul bros. And I'd love to discuss it in more depth. That yes. he just summed it up right there. YouTube yeah. started off with the green bros, the, the vlog bros, vlog the, brothers, the nerds. I mean, these two guys are nerds. You got a writer, nerd fighters, nerd fighters. You got a writer. I mean, these guys kind of are, they, they are what you envision when you think of the, the internet nerd and, or, you know, even the programming nerd, even though they're not programming guys, like yeah. they're nerdy and they are geeky and, uh, and they've been really influential, but from them, we got, you know, where, who, who became the next big thing on YouTube, the fine bros. And they were not <laughs> the flog bros at all. They were sensational and they were reductive and they were corporate fascist, uh, you know, with their trying to make sure that anybody who uses the react, uh, format has to pay them money absurd as if they invented that and then the paul bros who are you know if you took the disney channel uh you know it, uh, like distilled it through you uh, you snapchat and vine and then uh, put them on oh man i don't even know speed or 
uh, you know, I or speed mixed. Oh yeah, like meth mixed. No, with, no, uh, meth is too ugly. Like heroin. No, it's true. I don't know. It's not a drug. That's the problem. Like they're not. Yeah. That, like if Fruity Pebbles was a drug, like that's what you get with the yes. Paul Bros. You know. Yeah. And so they are so asinine and so annoying. Uh, um. But here's the thing. Like I have over the course of the last year, I've decided that they're actually geniuses. Yeah. That yeah, they really are. They're they are they are a symptom of the problem. They are the Donald Trumps of YouTube. Yeah. They have actually trolled this system so hard and tricked every single person in it to becoming their marketing machine. Yeah. Like those two kids are so oh, so smart in navigating the space. And the reason the final straw for me was seeing Logan Paul uh just last week or two weeks ago on Top Chef. He he was a guest judge on Top Chef of uh, <laughs> you know season 85. And he at the end of it, like, so he commented on a few of the dishes or whatever. At the end of it, someone said, yeah, this is, um, this is cute, but unnecessary, this dish. And he's like, hmm, kind of like me. And he walked off. And that was like, that was his goodbye. I was, wow. he just totally owned himself. <laughs> and he knew he could do it because of the forum. Like in that, in that world, he could get away with that because he knew his viewership probably wasn't going to be watching. So he could totally just like, yeah like drop this little bomb it's kind of like is he might as well have just winked at the camera like i know what i am <laughs> you know like he he and then you know this last week the controversy with him and the suicide force in japan i don't know if you read about that one yeah um but you know i tweeted about that i just so frustrated by all this stuff it's like it everyone is like <sighs> reacting with this self-righteous indignation mm. nobody in the world knew about that suicide force until outside of japan until Logan Paul did a video about it. And all of a sudden, this guy, you know, the same thing that everyone in Washington and in the mainstream news does all the time, we're raising awareness about this right. terrible problem. Well, yeah, in, in 10 minutes, Logan Paul with his just terrible, terrible, you know, uh, way of presenting it, raised more awareness about this problem uh, than all of you did with your millions of dollars, Yeah, you know? And so he did it in 10 minutes and he became a laughing stock for it. And he knew he would, he did it on purpose and he knew that it'd be great marketing for his brand too. So he, he wins doubly because now you just put, you gave him a hundred thousand dollars worth of marketing by NPR and CNN and everyone else sharing it. So you hate him. It's again, it's Barnum. What he said, all publicity is good publicity, right? Yeah. So you are actually helping his brand. And in the meantime, you, you're, you are totally unaware that he's using the same method you use to promote whatever you do as if you don't make money. When you say we're going to raise awareness about blank social ill, you know, you write your blog post about it. You're not making money on that. So how, how is this any different? Yeah. You know, he's using the exact same method you use for a hundred years and you want to like, you know, lay this all at his footstep. Yeah. Well, I, I think, and, and so that I think is the crux, the Paul brothers. I think right in there is the crux of where the um, ugly meets success. Because I believe uh, nigga higa, even, uh, you know, Facebook, and Zuckerberg, uh, who else? All, all, the Paul brothers, all these creators, uh, PewDiePie, you mentioned PewDiePie. Mm -hmm. I think what they had, if they didn't, you know, they didn't have uh, an aesthetic. Of course, you know, they had some aesthetic, right? right. Um, was they had dogged 
focus and um, they stayed true. They had an idea and they stayed true to it, you know, and, and then instead of, they did not give into the haters, but instead, you know, the, the detractors, they, they, they played the game, you know, so that the detractors played right into their uh, hand. Right. All of them. They've all been pretty masterful at that. And, you know, I, so this isn't to try to, exonerate the Pauls, but it really is an indictment on the way that we've run media for so long. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he's just taking that and turning it back on you. Uh, mainstream media. This is what you, this is how you make a living. If it bleeds, yeah. it leads, you know, don't, don't lecture me about Logan Paul in this suicide forest. Why don't you lecture yourself about what happened in Cambodia in the killing fields, you know, go watch the killing fields again, and then lecture Logan Paul. You know, this, some self-examination would be great just about now. Yeah. Um, this and this and this is the problem when journalism becomes uh, artificial celebrity masquerading as, uh, you know, moral crusade. Uh, it's and and that's that's the problem. And and huh. see, and I I feel like what the internet is a lot of this stuff that has been ugly all along is going to come to the surface and people are going to realize how ugly it is because you know, a kid in, you know, you know, uh, wearing a stupid hoodie is doing it, you know, um, it's going to be revealed for what it is. And hopefully people will say, Oh, if they could just apply that to the, to the, to the bigger thing, they might be able to, uh, you know, keep up with what's coming next, which yeah. is hopefully the abolition of, uh, you know, our, our thinking from this sort of group think, hysteria where we just chase blood everywhere you know and and claim to care about life in the process you know it just it's uh it's really disgusting i mean you you see the way that the news reports about any shooting about any uh you know terrorist attack everything just becomes a hysterical uh debate in which it's a gold rush for whoever gets the story first you know yeah um so yeah, this is just uh, you know what what they're decrying in him is just business as usual in the industry, um, and I you know what one of my goals is is to see that if more of us can talk together, like if I can talk to somebody, you know if there's another killing field fiasco that I can talk to the person on the ground there mm-hmm. and say tell us what's happening what should we think about Mm -hmm. this and then analyze that and say okay you know is this guy free from bias like um you know and and try to understand how we can you know prevent something like happening here or you know is there a way to help people in another country in a similar circumstance you know start to create their own grassroots ability to prevent that from happening like Mm -hmm. is there are there constructive ways for us actually to move forward as opposed to just gossiping about what world leaders are doing that we have no input on you know like are there ways as citizens that we can prevent uh soldiers from having to kill one another you Mm -hmm. know so like and i really feel like that is the power of the internet is to get and, and if you read philip k dick you know if you read good storytellers of any kind, they are they are teasing out these ideas. You know, they're exploring these ideas in the future, hoping that we don't have to be there. You know, these dis, you know, hopefully, um, these dystopian visions will help us rewrite the future so that we don't end up there. 
scare us off of it yeah yeah and so that we can you know try to navigate this thing but the answer is not like this luddite sort of like let's just eradicate the internet or eradicate youtube because look what it brings it brings logan paul no (laughs) no it's just that's just the the cancer screening showing you that there's some cancer there like the cancer isn't is did not start with him um so you know hopefully we can get off again and YouTube is totally complicit in the rise of the polls. Like they never had any, they never shut them down. No. They now, you know, they, they've yeah. always like appeased them. Well, um, I mean, look at YouTube rewind. They got the most time. Yeah. Yeah. They got the most time. They're just sitting there. They're going to lecture the world about, you know, whatever. Like it's yeah. just, they're just, no, they I, I really believe good. YouTube wants to be, you know, Disney. So that's what, yeah. right. And the polls are basically the, you know, they're Disney. I don't know edgy disney um no so going forward as we make our own myth as we wrap it up a little bit here um what what can we do me and you you know creative types um capable you know one one thing that i think me and you have uh we have a we have a little bit extra time you know we have a little bit um a little bit extra knowledge about uh, technology and stuff like that. So should we be creating our own servers? What? what? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a step, you know, like I'm trying to take this one step at a time. So I don't like, you know, kill my brain, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to, trying to digest the information about Bitcoin is just like overloading my circuitry here. I'm so far behind. And so in order to even catch up marginally with any of this, uh, I'm just starting from the ground up and watching YouTube videos. So like what I would say to creative people is stop taking your art class, stop taking your screenwriting class, stop taking your filmmaking class, filmmaking class and watch YouTube videos. Don't take a, Don't take a coding course. Yeah. Go watch YouTube videos about a programming language. Learn it. You know, just start basic from that. And then from there, try to learn some networking skills, try to learn, you know, instead of like, let's, you know, instead of me spending more money on a gaming computer next year, like set up my own server, like, Mm. you know, start small, but actually invest, you know, this time and this uh, money that I have in, in, in creating ways to connect with one another so that we are not beholden to the person reading a screenplay and saying, you know, the screenplay is good, but I don't want to make it into a movie because it's too risky. You know, like you can't trust those people. Like, I mean, look what Hollywood is right now. It is as safe as it's been in 20 years. Like they're not taking risks. They're, they're banking on everything that's making money and they're making money hand over fist. Um, But I would say on top of that though, we have to also just like to moderate that a little bit, I would say we have to be careful to not get bogged down in the reads so that we're not spending the next, you know, five to 10 years learning and consuming right Right. instead of creating like there's got to be a balance where we're creating and and we're learning and you know there's there's a there's a feedback loop in there somewhere well that's why i think you want to you know and that's why i'm doing as much as i can with my website um as i'm going so you know like my first start is just this silly stupid hello world you know landing page like that's it um but the the point of it being that you know some of what i've written rather than try to post it on a blog somewhere else you know like and rather than give that to wordpress rather than give that to facebook rather than give that to reddit i'm going to put it on my website you know and so that people can read my short stories there people read my screenplays there um Maybe I make some custom videos that I don't post to YouTube that I post them, you know, in the source, um, 
maybe it's hidden in the source code or maybe it's a you know a, mm -hmm. a video in in the actual page um then in even that is a is a task like learning how to do that like what is the how am i going to encode it how am i going to make it small enough like these are these are questions that you know youtube has that has made easy you know like they've answered that question oh it's a264 mp4 upload whatever hey we don't care like we'll we'll encode it on the back end like so a lot of these things we've become so addicted to having these intermediaries yeah and the point of the internet is to take out the middleman hmm. so if we can learn i mean even if we just get a smattering of it again i'm not shooting to make facebook here hmm. i'm shooting to make something better than drudge report i think i can do that almost now i think i can make something better than drudge report hmm. you know uh, so like let's start small and work our way up another uh website i did want to mention is uh, nikki case's website incase.me and there's a specific one he mentions um incase.itch.io slash wbwwb uh you know i guess i'll put that we'll put that in the show notes or whatever um wwwb uh, no i just it's too long to actually say it out loud okay but, uh, so nikki case's thing it's a great little he has a bunch of games on his main page yeah and when you just look at the the design of his main page it's great it's just it's different than what you see and uh it's very user friendly he has a way better design eye than i do um but when you go to this game in particular it's uh, we become what we behold. So that's where the uh, WBWWB comes from. We become what we, we behold, and it's a uh, criticism of media. And it's this little playable five-minute video game. Again, there's no market for a five-minute playable video game 20 years ago. You know, there was no market for it 15 years ago, no market for it 10 years ago. There's yeah. hardly a market for it now because we're all going, you know, to play apps that we download or whatever like this little thing like i played it and in five minutes i was like afterwards i oh wow i'm i'm paying for this now i paid the guy five bucks for five minutes i paid him five bucks because i i was just like i was that impressed with the message of the game he and in this tiny little five minute thing had had created an art form that youtube that film that tv could not convey he, he created a medium for his message that fit the message. You know, Marshall McLuhan said, the medium is the message, right? Well, we have gotten into, again, this consumptive internet where when we keep posting stuff on these other mediums, mm -hmm. we are, we are uh, aiding their message, which is centralization. Well, but one final plea for, one final <laughs> plea for, for, for WordPress. Right. Not, I'm not talking about WordPress.com where it's completely controlled. You know, it's the, basically the same thing as Blogger or you know right. Medium or whatever. Um, but WordPress.org, where you can, it's it's open source. You know, and you can put the you host your own files, you manipulate your own code on these files, but it just gives you a framework um, so that you don't have to learn PHP. You don't have to learn, uh, you know, spend hours and hours developing um, all these, this framework, you know, just skeletons to, to, to post your content on. And, uh, and, and, and also, uh, the last thing was that it has a community surrounding it where people are working together, you know, word camps and, um, just anywhere you go on the, on YouTube, anywhere on the net are people working together for free, you know, giving advice for free, talking to each other, working together to, to learn how to do it better and, and democratizing the internet. 
Yeah, see, I don't know. I guess my problem is, though, that, again, it's kind of an imported attitude from previous things. Like, why depend on frameworks or modules, which is so much of how the internet works right now, uh, when you can learn to do it yourself, if you have the capability. Now, not everybody has a capability. I understand that. But I think we underestimate just how easy some of this stuff is because we've been indoctrinated to thinking that you need to be a calculus master in order to do any sort of programming. Most of it is high school level math. It's Mm. just, it's just thinking in terms of logic problems. Most of it is kind of game theory, you know? So like there are games, we, we spend so much time on board games and video games, all this stuff, like apply some of that effort in learning how this stuff works, because this is where, where we're connecting as a society. Mm -hmm. And the more that we can learn about, even if we don't get to the point where we're, you know, coding some master website or something like that from scratch, the more it makes us more able to use some of these other tools anyway. So I, I feel like it's it's a no-lose yeah, situation. Oh, no, no, uh, I know, totally agree. And, yeah. you know, something like WordPress, I, I feel like it can be a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. But the more you can do, the the better it's going to be, you know, for everybody. The more that we can we – can, uh, you know, again, peer to peer, like if somebody in 1999 was saying, well, you know, I'm an old person, I can't learn anything better than the AOL. Well, you know, like you're restricting yourself to understand what the web can be, the possibilities that are out there outside of AOL's little, uh, you know, gated community. And right. and there are possibilities outside the YouTube gated community and the WordPress gated community and the, and the Facebook gated community. So I see what I you're saying. Say, so there's like this, there's like this, I, I've felt this before where I look back and, and our forefathers knew seven languages and have read all these, uh, you know, the great works. Yes. And you're exactly. saying when it comes to the internet, why are we, you know, just reading uh, the, uh, Twilight, you know, like why are we, why are we underperforming with the most of information at our fingertips yeah. we've ever had in the history of the world? Like we should all be Renaissance men and women at this point. Like, but what if should... the reason is, what if the reason is, is because, and, and I think this could be a possibility with my experience, this could be an, uh, a possibility because you learn the language and then you realize you spent so much time learning the language. There's nobody to talk to and the, what you're building with it. You know, it's a dead language that what you're building with it is obsolete and you yeah, have to learn a new language and you have but to the learn concepts a- apply in computer languages easier than they do. Like it would be the concept of dialects. You know, when you're, when you're learning a language in India, if you learn Hindi, that's mm-hmm. going to translate somewhat r- roughly somewhat, yeah. at least the script in Punjabi and Gujarati and Marathi. Like there's once you get and the, and the grammatical structure, they're going to somewhat you know, uh, go back and forth between each other. Like it'll, it'll give you a leg up when you're learning something new. Now, if you learn Hindi and then try to learn a South Indian language, uh, you're starting from total scratch. It's like a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you learn English and then you're trying to speak to someone who's from Scotland, you're going to be able to understand a lot of what they're saying. Mm-hmm. You may need to learn some new verbiage and some new like, uh, slang terms and some accents, you know, it's gonna be different. Um, but I, I feel like when you learn uh, the little bit I've, I've done with HTML um, and Python and Ruby, uh, th- some of this stuff translates like, uh, you know, like, I, I don't even know the function, but X equals X plus one. Like I remembered it from some other language and I tried it in Python this morning and it worked. So mm. like there's there are things that kind of interconnect. And mm-hmm. and so the concepts, concepts the, yeah. the underlying, you know, yeah, the underlying logic problem of computer uh, science can apply across things. And so for me, I'm just saying, let's learn how to build houses here, not mm-hmm. just learn how to go to malls. 
You know, like let's learn how to build. Maybe you don't get the whole part of building the house. Maybe you are only good at writing the plans. You know, maybe you're only good at put laying the brick, but let's get some part of that stack in our head so that when people are throwing a bunch of techno jargon BS, there's so many people in this industry, in the tech industry that have no idea how to code themselves. Mm -hmm. Like when you see them actually code, it's like some ASCII Christmas tree or something like, oh yeah, they know how to do the correct grammar structure or whatever syntax. But then when you see what they actually output, it has no discernible use whatsoever, but they can throw around the jargon and they end up making millions just like basically just leading people around pretending to know what they're talking about yeah yeah so, so like it reminds me of prefab houses you're like yeah realtors selling prefab houses yeah i mean and there's just so much of that going on like the more articulate even if we don't become renaissance men or women even if we just can just understand you know like not a jack of all trades but a seven of all trades where are you know a seven here a three there four there a ten here like eventually you're going to be able to have better conversations about this stuff and be able to understand when you're being hoodwinked being able to be understand where you're being taken for a ride. Um, and I just, I feel like we have been psyoped, you know, like not like it's some government conspiracy, but like it's a corporate conspiracy to get us just to buy, you know, just get us to just consume. Even when we're not spending money, we are spending time and we are just, we are just, you know, spending that time. Like it's cash on fire, you know? Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I think uh, that's a good place to land. We do not want to spend money like his cash on fire or whatever you just said. Or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my, my gift for analogy is, uh, you know, it, it goes up and down. <laughs> no, it's always, it, it's, it, these are always great conversations. And I, I feel like I, I have a renewed inspiration because uh, I have been really frustrated by, it just takes so much time. And I am like I've, I've told you before. I I can't stand going through code. I'm not a right. language guy. I don't. You know. I I hate learning new languages. I like right. speaking them. I am a relational guy. I like talking to people. Right. Um, but the I I've never been good at grammar, spelling, and it's, this is a it's the kind of mentality you have to have when you go through code and, right. and you look for bugs and you know. So, but but. As we often say on this podcast, work, work is the righteousness, is the goodness, is the pleasure, the real pleasure and happiness of life. And yeah. um, especially when it's done well and we can you know, st- stand back and cross your arms and say, yeah, yes. you know, that's, it, it may not be the best thing out there, but uh, it's, it's original. You know? Yes. And, and I did the work. I yep. feel good about just there, there's something in the work itself, you know? Right. And not using somebody else's. So I appreciate the conversation. Good points. And um, uh, speaking of which, we do, well, I guess you're, you're working on, on your website right? as it is. We'll, we'll give that link out soon, right? Yeah, yeah. We can put it out. We'll put the whole link yeah, of to all the websites that have been mentioned in the notes. Okay. If, if that's cool. Um, and I'll include mine in there, such as it is. It's terrible. <laughs> but uh, you know, I like it. It's got a little, uh, yeah. Look everywhere. It's not. Uh, it's not one dimensional. Right. Yeah. It's one and a half dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> it's one point zero zero one dimensional. Ooh. Yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, thanks again for the good conversation. Let's go forward, making our own myth. Let's do it. All right. Have a good one, man. That concludes another great episode. 
And for Ford Sues, my name is Judah McNeil. This has been a reverse redaction. Uh, don't forget to check out the Surfing Violinist, Ford's YouTube channel. And you can follow him on Twitter at Ford Like the Car. So that's at Ford Like the Car. And there will be plenty more coming out from that channel and other stuff that we'll be plugging. So stay tuned and don't forget to check back here. You can find these episodes on iTunes at Reverse Redaction. Or you can also check out thesurfingviolinist.com under Reverse Redaction. All right. Uh, see you next time.